electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Peloton has been a hot stock for traders and a popular purchase for those stuck at home. Sales are up nearly 200%. CEO John Foley. When you have a choice of working out at home, why would you travel? So we think that post-COVID, this is still an incredible growth story. Instagram, from a billion dollars to a billion users. Head of Insta, Adam Masseri, on the reels, the trends, and the challenges of social media in 2020. We're very focused focused on doing everything we can to prevent any interference, particularly with this upcoming election here in the U.S. We know it's a big test for us. We know we have a lot of responsibility. Those stories, plus another stalemate in Washington and honoring an historic tragedy 19 years ago. You can define the world in many ways by that morning. It's just amazing how quickly time goes. This last year, we've seen our share of tragedy as well. It's Friday. It is September 11th. 2020 Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. These guys in Washington, uh, in Washington news. um, I don't know. We can talk about this, Andrew. But so you don't get everything you want. So you don't do anything. It's kind of weird that you hold out. This was kind of going to happen no matter what. They do a lot of stuff down there that's a kabuki dance, don't they, Andrew? I mean, it, 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 it. They know it's not going to happen, and they both do. Both sides do things to say, "Okay, we did this, and then you did this." It's, it's, yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, Senate Republicans failed to advance that coronavirus stimulus uh, yesterday, and this is what I meant: they fell short of the sixty votes needed to get around the Democratic filibuster. I mean, they did. It was unclear whether McConnell had fifty-two. All the Democrats present um, voted against it. Uh, Rand Paul was the one Republican who uh, voted against it. And for a while, McConnell was kind of cagey. I uh, wasn't really talking about whether he had the votes, but then he got everybody except for Rand Paul. And it was 52-47. And that legislation included reinstating enhanced unemployment insurance at 300 a week. Uh, that's down uh, from the previous 600. It also would authorize uh, new business loans, but uh, Democrats called it inadequate saying it needed other measures, including state and local government relief. And it just begs a question. So if we end up with nothing, because these guys want to go home to campaign, if we end up with nothing, should you have done this? I don't know. Uh, you, you, you know I understand the point that's being made. They, they want a lot more you stuff. You mean, should have they even made, should have they made the attempt? It, I mean, I don't know. But, but the Democrats would do it at the, uh, you know, at the House level, knowing that they can't get it through the Senate. The Senate, you know, it, it's... Right. And, and they but would, would both you take point this to without all one, the other you know, stuff. But it's, it's, some, it's something better than nothing. You can't always get what you want. Uh, Trump still plays that Rolling Stone song all the time, and, and it drives well, Nick well, crazy. What's so unique uh, about the wrinkly rocker? What's so unique about this moment? And I don't know. I don't know where you stand on it. Is you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, or and, and in some cases uh, right now, there's a, there's a lot of people who have a the conventional wisdom seems to be that we we do need this stimulus. And if we don't get it, it's going to be perilous for the economy. And yet you look at where the markets are. I know we've had a tough week, but also 
you know, Stan Druckenmiller's and others who've come on uh, recently and said, you know what, actually, the economy is a lot stronger and maybe we don't need these things. That may not be uh, right. the most empathetic thing to say uh, aloud at this moment, given uh, the, the hurt that, that still exists out, out there. But it's a very interesting moment in terms of what that debate looks like right now. Right. Well, the, the, the economy is not monolithic and there are places we could definitely target that are absolutely still in, in need of this. But then on the, on the other hand, there are it's a weird position for Republicans and, and for President Trump to be in where, you know, they want to do more because they, they want to, you know, even add more, you know, prime the pump even more prior to the election. Uh, but then again, they, they're making the case, oh, the economy's already back. We already had a V-shape, so we don't need it. So they're like, like it's, it happens so often with uh, politicos where they say one thing and then the next second they're saying something that completely counters the first thing that they said. So anyway, get used to it. I should have taken political science. Did they, you think they taught you all these things, how to interpret all this stuff, man? I don't think so. I, 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 you can't teach this in school, can you? I, I, I think Maybe the science in, uh, they taught at MIT so. was, uh, was, was closer to a yeah. real science. I think that you were, uh, you were learning yeah. real, uh, much realer science, at least, than this uh, is a, political right. science. This is an art. We've talked this about a, the science this of is economics, art. but right. Right. Like it's an, an Escher. Art. It's an this art. This is an art. Senior managers uh, at J.P. Morgan Chase are being told it's time to wrap up their work from home operations. According to reports, executives at the bank informed managers in its sales and trading units in London and New York this week to plan to return to offices starting September 21st. Uh, the reports say that some exemptions will be made, including uh, employees deemed high risk or if they have issues coordinating childcare or homeschooling. Uh, the president uh, tweeting earlier this morning, congratulations to J.P. Morgan Chase for ordering everyone back uh, to office on September 21st. We'll always be better uh, than working from home. What are your plans, Sorkin? Any idea? You know, I, I, I don't know what our, our plans are. I'm going to be uh, back and forth, I imagine, between the city and here. My, my children, happily, are they're, they're doing virtual school today, but... Uh, we're supposed to be starting uh, in person five days a week uh, at the end of this month. So I will give you a report card on our progress about uh, whether we get to that place. We're all very hopeful. We're crossing our fingers. So right. yeah, I'm ready to go back. I do want to get back to the Nasdaq ASAP. Uh, the delay kills me, Andrew, as now I'm going to say that and I'm going to wait for you to respond. I don't we don't. I actually think the delay between both of us isn't that bad. I think sometimes it's uh, maybe it's worse. We'll for just me. get you a higher speed. Maybe it's worse for me. Fiber to the home. Fiber <laughs> to the home. You know what? We shouldn't complain. It's amazing that we're able to do this. And, and we did it quickly when it happened back in, in, you know, when we had to do it. And uh, all the guys that helped with this. Uh, it is amazing. But um, I don't know. Next on Squawk Pod, Peloton sales surged 172% in the last quarter as people stayed home during the coronavirus pandemic. CEO John Foley. You can get our content, our strength training, our yoga, our running, our, our cycling on any screen in your hand or in your home. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM. 
a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pot. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Let's talk about a, a couple of different stocks this morning. You were mentioning your Peloton. I know I think it's to your right uh, where you are. I should it tell is. you, uh, uh, the Sorkin family also contributed to this company's uh, earnings this quarter because we just bought ourselves a, a Peloton no tread, uh, treadmill. Um, the company posting its first uh, ever quarterly profit is revenue nearly tripled, tripled, I say. The company benefiting from surging demand for at-home fitness gear during the pandemic. Peloton says subscriptions for remote classes reached $1.1 million in the quarter. It's also increasing production to improve wait times for its equipment, but doesn't expect to return to normal delivery times for several months. Shares are up more than 200 percent alone this year. Peloton CEO is going to be joining us, John Foley. The company also uh, announcing this week a new Peloton bike, Joe, and a new Peloton treadmill. So uh, a lot more what, coming uh, up from that company. That's uh, long, long hard. They want to become the Apple of, uh, of electronic fitness. Right. What and they may be on their way. prompted you to go with the the uh, Peloton uh, treadmill? Is is it the the software? That, that, I mean, do they have people saying, "Come on, Andrew, go"? It's a hill. It's, 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 do they have the, like people motivating you, or is it got soft? Yes, it, I, I was going like, to get like a woodway. It, it's like a woodway. It, first of all, I would say I, I would say the actual technicals of the treadmill are pretty great, and the the other element of it for us was. Uh, my wife specifically, though, I, I try to keep up with her. I can't keep up half the time. She was a, a big Barry's Boot Camp uh, uh, goer uh, in New York City, uh, which is uh, on a treadmill and then you jump off and do weights. It's sort of this boot camp kind of style thing. So this was the closest thing to trying yep. to replicate that at home. I should tell you, and I would tell this to John Foley, that the machine is criminally expensive. Uh, and, I, and they're coming out with a, a cheaper machine because it's, 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 they're charging so much for it. So I think it costs us a lot of money and, and we're privileged to be able to, to buy one. But um, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's also a big thing, Joe. It's, it's, a, it's, it's large. Unlike the, uh, the bike, which you could, you could maybe fit in a, a corner, this thing Required, required. I think two or three people to. Oh, to, it fits to, in a corner. It fits in a corner. It's over there. It's it fits in a corner. That's that's exactly where it is. Uh, don't tell the guy. Don't tell. Don't tell the seat. You didn't. Your wife used to kick your. Your wife used to kick your ass in that, uh, that that other thing too, right? When you would do that, running through the mud and, and underneath the like electrical she, cable and, and we stuff. Did, oh, we she, went back in the days when we did the tough mutter. Yeah, she's you know she beat you she's that superwoman, too. and I'm just humiliating. I'm just yeah, along for the right. ride. Joining us right now for first on CNBC interview is John Foley. He's the co-founder and CEO of Peloton. And John, it's great to see you. Uh, I hope the next time we can do it in person. I think Joe and I have both been discussing. Uh, Joe's got a Peloton actually right next to him because we're, we're work from home today as well. And I just uh, uh, bought the, the new tread, not the new new tread. We can talk about that in just a minute. But um, just just speak to where we are, because it. it Clearly, the growth has been beyond any measure. I think the big question in the in the markets among investors is really just how sustainable that is and what kind of multiple to put on that, because what does that business look like a year from now uh, if hopefully we have vaccines and, and we and we have therapeutics and, and people may go back to gyms and the like? Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Joe. Good to, good to see you guys. Um, yeah, we believe that the, I mean, I, I will start out by saying we've grown 100% year on year revenue for six years. 
So this isn't kind of, you know, we just didn't do this because of COVID. Um, to your question, uh, we're as, as excited to get back to work and, and hopefully we have a, a, a vaccine, you know, in the coming weeks, uh, we'd be excited about that. We believe what's happening here is a, is a secular move from uh, working out at a, at a different location into the home. If you can have better workout experiences, and, and both of you know this from having a bike and a tread, when you have a choice of working out at home with fantastic instructors, with a very supportive community, with the incredible, incredible gamified and networked software, um, and the best hardware now in the world, um, you know, why would you travel? So we think that post-COVID, this is still an incredible growth story. Um, in terms of just keeping up with the demand, one of the things you talked about uh, yesterday with these earnings was that it's been hard to keep up with demand. What does that look like in terms of just production uh, of the bikes, of the treads, and the delivery, uh, the ability to deliver this uh, over the next couple quarters? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Andrew. Uh, it's hard to put your finger on what team at Peloton is working the hardest because it feels like every team I talk to is redlining. But you're absolutely right. The supply chain the manufacturing teams, the, the field ops teams where they deliver the bikes and treads globally, um, they're, they're, you know, all out for sure. And uh, I think they've done an incredible job and we've gotten order to delivery for both the bikes and the treads down over the last four months in the face of this exploding demand. So demand has gone up and we've, we've been able to outpace it with our supply chain and field ops uh, delivery growth. So I think we've done an incredible job, but you're right to point out it's hard for sure. Can we speak about pricing? Um, you know, you're, you're going to be introducing a new tread that I think is close to half the price uh, in uh, come 2021. You have a new bike out, which is also then going to allow for a lower price uh, current bike as well. How much do you think you have to get the price down to expand the audience? Well, to the extent we are having a hard time making them fast enough at the current price, you would say we don't have to change the price at all. Of course, we are uh, with our, to your point, Andrew, with our better, best strategy and both the tread, uh, our opportunity and opportunity with the better, best, we can have the premium product, the best product in the world, which the new bike plus that we <clears throat> came out with this week is now the best bike in the world. Um, it's at a just under a $2,500 price point. And over time, it allows us to do a, a lot of creative pricing. Um, right now, it's at uh, the the original you know bike that's uh, the best cardio machine on the planet, loved by millions, is under uh, nineteen hundred dollars, and which is uh, from a finance perspective under forty nine dollars a month, which we're which we're very excited about. But we do think that um, as we grow the Sam and Tam globally, price point for uh, for our products is going to matter. So we're we're getting out in front of it. Hey, John, Joe? it's Joe. I see you know watch, watching a lot of the uh, the. The, the video and, and I see people working with dumbbells and, and obviously weight training is is important in addition to cardio might be might be even more important. If, if, are you developing anything or uh, innovating in like a universal, for lack of a better term, a universal machine like with a bench and, and uh, you know, maybe with a pull down or is it just dumbbells watching someone do it? Is it possible to combine the, the software that you have with a a class or a trainer with a machine that, that sort of has three or four different uh, ex Will there be a Peloton machine like that? Well, uh, you're right, Joe. Uh, we need to win strength. If we're going to win global digital streaming fitness, strength is an important part. We're going to uh, very quickly win cardio with our bike and our tread, but we care deeply about winning in strength as well. Um, Andrew could probably talk to this because I know you have a tread, Andrew. 
but my favorite workout, and we talked about this in person at the studio, Andrew, uh, is a boot camp off of the tread where, right. um, Joe, you might not know this, but a lot of the content you get on the tread for five or six minutes and then you get off the tread and then you're asked to point to grab your dumbbells or do strength training, some push-ups or plank. And so when you do a Peloton boot camp class, we all, we now offer it on the bike with the bike plus uh, behind my shoulder, um, where you can get off the bike and then do your weight training with one of the best instructors and one of the best uh, strength coaches in the world. So uh, we don't think we need to have a uh, dedicated product. I, I'm kind of a free weights guy. I like um, I like working with free weights. I like doing uh, uh, body weight training. And if you do, and I know you do, Andrew, if you do one of these 45-minute or 60-minute boot camp classes right. off the tread or off the bike, your entire upper body is uh, is feeling it. And, and right. I don't, right, right now you don't need to complement that with another weight training program. So, so John, I, I know you're not going to want to tip your hand on this, but in terms of, in terms of future product, is there is there a weight product out there um, or, or uh, people talk about rowers that, that would put you back in the in the cardio space? Uh, you saw Lululemon buying the mirror. What did you make of that? Uh, I thought it was a good exit for that founding team. I think Bryn was uh, smart selling the, the business for all cash. Um, uh, we are doing so much content on every screen in your hand and in your home. Every screen that's in your house today can be a portal to taking one of our 10 or 12 verticals of content. So you think about, we launched Roku TV, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, um, Android TV, <clears throat> along with our iOS platform and our Android platform. You can get our content, our strength training, our yoga, our running, our, our cycling on any screen in your hand or in your home. So uh, I'm just still TBD on Mirror, whether there's a product market fit for that, for that product. Um. Pricing. Uh, right now, you, you there is a, the financing option. You know, there, I think there was speculation for quite some time that there might ultimately be a, just a straight up subscription business uh, where, you know, you buy you, you, you effectively rent the bike. Uh, you rent the treadmill. Is that in the offing? Uh, five or 10 years from now, I'd be surprised if it wasn't, Andrew. Uh, I, I think there's a there there for sure. It's not something you're going to see in the next year. Um, we didn't need to have it yet, but I love moving in that direction. It's all in the, in the name of affordability for our members, um, our current members and new members, and making sure they feel incredible mm -hmm. about the value. One thing I will point out, Andrew, which is uh, I said on the earnings call last night was my favorite metric, is last Q4, which was effectively ended uh, 1st of July last year, uh, our, our subscriptions were used 12 times a month on average. Um, this year, the mm -hmm. quarter that just closed, they were used close to 25 times a month on average. So when you're you paying us $39 a month and getting 25 workouts from your household. The, the, you know, it's close to $1.50 per workout. It's just insane value. And so we're, we're very excited about that. We're going to continue to push with more content, more, more access to our content um, and, and the like. John, would you be, would you be terribly upset if, if I, if I traded, if I don't want to use this bike, if it's not my thing, if I, if I, if I would like to get, to get the, uh, the treadmill, I mean, would, would that, I don't want to, I know the bike is your bread and butter and everything. I, I and I don't want to get a treadmill and a bike. I don't have room for that. But is that possible? Would that, I don't want to upset you though, like you're coming on the show and it, it's a great story that you have. Um, do you've people so, do you, that? Been, is that okay? You you've been so good to me, Joe. You you could do no wrong personally. But uh, one one thing I'll point out: if you did get the treadmill, you wouldn't pay an additional thirty nine dollars. So it scales within your home. You pay your thirty nine dollar membership, and you could have all of our products and still pay one membership. But 
To your question, that wouldn't bother us at all because what you would probably do is either trade in your Peloton bike with a right now. If you wanted to get the Peloton bike plus, you could do you get a seven hundred dollar trade in credit, no. or or you could sell your bike on Craigslist or eBay and uh, and get a you know a, a pretty hefty um, portion of your original purchase price, um, and then that new person who buys it ends up being a subscriber. So your your hardware, Joe, is always going to be associated with a subscriber. If you get it out of your house and sell it to somebody else, we get a new member. So we're, we're fine with that either way, of course. Hey, John, right. we're going to have to run, but I have a question on behalf of uh, all Peloton users who want to know, will you ever allow people to watch things other than Peloton programming on the screen? So if I wanted to watch Netflix or some other program as I'm running or biking, that seems to be big on Twitter that I'm getting a number of requests about that. Like, let's say you wanted to watch billions or something when you're when you're pedaling. I mean, let's, for, sure. for instance, uh, um, I don't hate that idea, Andrew, to be honest. Um, we talk about it. Uh, never say never. Never say never. And uh, and then finally, for Joe on the on the tread, because if we're going to get him a tread, this new tread, I just got the old tread. I said it's criminally expensive because it is. And I'm blessed to be able to buy it. But uh, the new one, is it as good? Is it uh, like Joe wants to get a Woodway treadmill? Does, it, does the new one have the slats or no? The new one does not have the slats. The, the, the original that you have, Andrew, is the kind of the Rolls Royce of treadmills for sure. Um, the screen is massive. Of course. It does have the slat belt technology. It's, it's incredible. But to be honest, um, since you're asking, my wife likes the new tread better. It's more petite. She loves the running surface. Um, it's an incredible product. The same great software, the same great content. So depending on what price point you want and what um, okay. what type of, what type of deck you like to run on, uh, we have a, we have choices now. Right, John, we always uh, appreciate you joining us, and uh, we do look forward to following uh, your progress. So thank you so very very much, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, maybe we'll see you uh, on a run or uh, on a bike soon. I'd love that. Mm. So fun to be on your show. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the head of Instagram, Adam Masseri, on TikTok drama, Reels, and Facebook, his parent company. We've been on the back end of a lot of really difficult scrutiny over the last four years, and as unpleasant as that has been, at times I think it's fundamentally healthy. This is really just about accountability at the end of the day. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. It's been eight years since social media giant Facebook acquired Instagram for a billion dollars. And aside from various Facebook integrations, CEO Mark Zuckerberg has, for the most part, kept Instagram separate. Different content, 
different features, different audiences. In the last six months, the billion Instagram users around the world largely stayed home and relied on the platform for connection, entertainment, fitness, sanity, and even income. And in the last month, Insta took on TikTok with a shareable, short-form video feature called Reels. And just this week, Instagram announced it is testing new versions of its home screen, making room for Reels and shopping tabs. Adam Masseri, head of Instagram, joined us on our TV broadcast this morning in his first ever CNBC interview. Here's Andrew. Adam, it's great to see you. I'm thrilled that you're, you're here. Um, I live with your product every day. Uh, my wife and kids say too much, though my, my kids are constantly trying to take it from me so they can, uh, they can get on it as well. And uh, we have so many questions uh, for you, both as users uh, and also given that uh, your company is right in the mix of so much of the news uh, right now. So welcome and, and thank you for joining us and for waking up for early because I think you're on the West Coast right now. Yeah. So uh, let, why don't we do why don't we talk a little bit about some of the the things that are in the news right now, just to, just so we can understand how you're thinking about them. And then I want to jump into some of the product stuff uh, that I think so many people are focused on right now. But uh, the big issue has been uh, the potential for, for political meddling uh, and, and the role that social media plays in that. And I was curious how you think about that issue on Instagram, I haven't seen a lot of political advertising on Instagram. It feels very different than what you, where a lot of the other political advertising may live on Facebook and, and, and other places. So how does, that, how does that work into your thinking? We definitely think about it and worry about it a lot. In general, Instagram has less news than other large networks like Facebook and Twitter. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the risk of foreign actors trying to interfere in elections or misinformation. Uh, we've seen all that kind of activity happening on Instagram as well. Uh, which is why we're very focused on doing everything we can to prevent uh, any interference, particularly with this upcoming election here in the U.S. We know it's a big test for us. We know we have a lot of responsibility, and we're trying to embrace that responsibility. How concerned are you? I know you put a policy in at the company broadly uh, so that, you know, politicians cannot advertise new ads uh, the week prior. Uh, some critics out there say, you know what, though, if you really wanted to get those ads out, you'd put them into the, the feed effectively prior to that? Well, I think the announcements more recently, particularly around not allowing any new political ads the week before the election, are just one step on a much longer path. Over the last four years, we've invested billions of dollars and had tens of thousands of people working on integrity broadly. Uh, we've done a lot to increase transparency, to reduce misinformation, to identify proactively what we call coordinated inauthentic behavior. So, you know, foreign actors trying to meddle in elections. Uh, and so I think we've made a lot of progress, but of course we're concerned. It's our job to be concerned. Um, I think it would be responsible not to be concerned. Adam, the other big issue is your big competitor, TikTok, and the future of that company and what happens to that company. You've, of course, introduced a, a, a new service called Reels as part of Instagram. I'm curious, A, to see how much traffic you think has gotten, you know, what what the success of Reels looks like to you right now and how much you think you've benefited to the degree you have at all from the potential of a shutdown uh, of TikTok or at least a transfer of power of it? It's an important question. I mean, on Reels to start, we are seeing some early momentum and we're growing uh, particularly fast in countries like India, but it's early days and there's a long, long way to go. Uh, but broadly speaking, TikTok has done an amazing job really just pushing this performative short form video ecosystem into existence. I mean, they've been at it for almost a decade now and all the credit goes to them. But we've seen that short form performative video grow not only on Instagram, but on other platforms as well. 
And we have to adapt to those big shifts because one of the biggest risks for us is that the world changes around us. We obviously have competition, but the bigger risk when you're a platform like us is that you just become less relevant. Uh, now, you ask about the potential ban here in the U.S. Any short-form benefit it would be in terms of you know stifling a, comp- a competitor right now, I think is greatly outweighed by the risks of a more fragmented internet. I mean, we benefit greatly from the ability to operate in countries all around the world. And if we move to a place where countries start to silo the internet within them and we can't operate in that way, I think that is much, much, uh, that's much more problematic than any short-term benefit is beneficial. I don't know if you're going to be willing to take us inside uh, some of the meetings you, I imagine, the conversations that must be happening inside your company right now, but if you were rooting for one of the buyers, a Microsoft Walmart buyer on one side or an Oracle buyer on the other side, uh, which way do you lean? I can't. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I'm following this like just as you are, just trying to figure out what's going on. It's been moving so fast. There's so little time and there's so much drama. Uh, so I don't even I don't have a. Favorite is there any is there is there any part of you that says, you know what? This is probably actually good for our business uh, to the degree that, A, there's a little bit of confusion. And also, I think there's real questions about the algorithm, the TikTok algorithm and the, and the tech behind it and wh- how much of that gets shared with whoever the buyer is and, and their ability to be able to iterate on that quickly relative to what ByteDance likely could do on its own. I mean, you bring up a really good point. I think TikTok as an asset is um, incredibly valuable because of how well they've done with ranking and algorithms. They've done some really brilliant, really compelling work over the, over the last couple of years. And so you, as any buyer has to decide how much of the asset value is the algorithms versus the user base. Um, I also just think it would be pretty wild. I can't imagine running our business and not having control or even understanding how ranking works. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the system. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, We don't have a favorite horse in the race. Um, I do think if it benefits us in the short term in terms of slowing down a competitor, the precedent it sets is much, much worse for us as a business in the long term. So I honestly um, am not not actually enjoying this at all, um, even though some people assume it's really good for us. I actually think it's going to be really bad for us over the next maybe five to 10 years. Adam, as a product guy, one of the questions I would have is, how many new features do you think you can build into the Instagram service? The reason I ask is you've just introduced Reels. Prior to that, you had introduced Stories, which a lot of people viewed as a copy of Snap. And then, of course, the core, uh, which is the feed. And at some point, does it get too confused? I mean, it's a big concern of ours. I mean, our core values are being people first and simplicity and craft. And as you try and adapt as the world changes around you, you end up introducing new features and new concepts. Um, but we need to make sure that Instagram stays simple and so it's easy to use. That's one of the things that we've greatly benefited from over the last almost 10 years now. I think the question is how do you consolidate concepts? How do you simplify while you still figure out ways of meeting new use cases? And I think we've got work to do there. I think we've made some progress most recently, particularly in our camera, which has been able to support more and more use cases over time while actually getting simpler and simpler over the last few years. But there's a lot more work to do, and it's it's definitely something very top of mind. Adam, I want to talk about advertising because that's obviously uh, the core engine of growth uh, and the economics uh, of Insta and and more largely uh, Facebook. Um, one One of the great challenges that's now out there is the shift in what Apple 
uh, is intending to do in terms of the development of its new operating system. I know it's now said that they're going to delay this, but one aspect of that would make it much uh, easier for users to effectively turn off uh, a lot of the ability for uh, for apps like yours uh, to be able to track them. You filed a complaint now. Uh, Facebook has filed a complaint against Apple uh, in the EU just in the past, I think, now 24, 48 hours. Um, what is the impact of that going to be? And how would you, if you could, persuade the public and users of iPhones and other, and, and other uh, phones of the benefits uh, of tracking, if that's something that you would try to do? Absolutely. I actually would. I mean, I think there's two sides to this that are, well, there's lots of sides to every complicated question. Two things I'd want to stress. One is our advertising business obviously requires us to understand um, data at some level. We want to show you ads you're interested in, not ads that you're not interested in. Uh, And obviously that's beneficial for us as a business, but it's also incredibly valuable for our advertisers. And the vast majority of them are small and medium-sized businesses all over the world. And if the ecosystem changes in a way where advertisers can't really measure their return on investment, that's going to be, yes, somewhat problematic for our business, but it's going to be problematic for all the big ad platforms roughly equally. And so I don't, not that worried about it over the long run. It's going to be much, much more problematic for all the small businesses, and there are millions of them out there, that rely on us to identify customers and to reach those customers, particularly during a pandemic uh, when they're hurting, and all, well, series of industries are really hurting in all sorts of ways. The flip side is, look, data is important and privacy is incredibly important. We want people to have control over their data. We want people to understand what data we have on them in our systems. But there's also value to it, right? You open up Instagram, you, know, you go to explore and we'll show you things that you're interested in. Maybe I'm interested in snowboarding and you're interested in news, and so my experience is more around snowboarding and surfing, et cetera, and yours is more about news. That's a value. But that, for that to be personalized, for that to be compelling, for us to not show you things that you're not interested in, we need to know at least a little bit about what you're interested in. And that's the value of data, is that personalization. And so we believe that there's a way to be um, really responsible and give people control over their data and transparency into their data but without cutting off our understanding and therefore operating blind. So, so Adam, though, in terms of this, what seems like a battle being set up with Apple, uh, how much influence do you think you, you may or may not have over them? And, and what do you think the outcome of that looks like? I don't think we have much influence over Apple. I mean, Apple is the, I mean, they own the majority of the market here in the U.S. with smartphones, when the, uh, with the iPhone. They control the ecosystem you know, end to end, uh, they've been very determined and very organized uh, and I've been very focused. And they have an immense amount of power. I mean, they can just decide that we can't launch new updates to our apps at any given moment. You've seen a series of articles and even some lawsuits around their influence and power over developers over the last couple of months. Um, so I think that we're going to have to just make our case as strongly as we can, both to Apple, but also to the public and to Policymakers and influencers and academics. Um, but so, so I do Adam, think do, do, you, do, you think, do you think that, that Apple has an unfair monopoly? Because at the same time, as you know, Washington is looking at Facebook at, and, and whether Facebook has an unfair influence over, over, over uh, the world of social media and advertisers. I mean, I think they control the majority of the smartphone market here in the U.S. and in a series of um, other countries, some of the most important countries from a business perspective in the world. Um, I think that they've received less scrutiny, quite frankly, over the last couple of years than, than we have and Google and Amazon and others. 
That seems to be changing. Generally, I think scrutiny is a good thing. I mean, we've been on the back end of a lot of really difficult scrutiny over the last four years. And I, as unpleasant as that has been at times, I think it's fundamentally healthy. Uh, this is really just about accountability at the end of the day. And I think obviously there's more and more awareness about how large the biggest tech companies are. Um, but I'm not going to weigh in on specifically what constitutes a monopoly uh, for them. But I, am, I do think it's good that we're all being scrutinized. Okay, Adam, we're going to continue this conversation. I should tell everybody we're going to continue this conversation on Instagram Live. We'll see you on uh, Insta. Thanks so much. Thank you. Still, when you say it, don't you say, oh, my God, September 11th. Um, yeah. For you, it's about a half your life. It's about a, th- about a third of my life. But it, it went really, really quickly. The 19 years. I remember it so well. It is. A, I mean, year after year, it seems like. Uh, you know, we constantly, it's September 11th. It's just amazing how quickly time goes. This right. last year, um, we've it, seen our share of, of tragedy uh, as well. Also, obviously, it's been a tough year overall. It is, um, I mean, up until this pandemic, and we'll see, we'll see how history looks throughout all of this, but I would argue that 9-11 was the most consequential thing that's happened at least in the last 50 years in the United States, if not the last yep. 100, in terms of how we... How we live, um, how we think about yep. security, um, geopolitical uh, issues, wars. Um, it is it's uh, you, can, you can define the world in many ways uh, by that morning. And I, I remember that morning, uh, unfortunately, still all too well, as I know you do. Right. I mean, Andrew, we're we're still seeing VA, su- uh, vet, not VA, but veteran suicides from wars that were spawned from, from what happened on that dam. And it still affects, it's affecting people each and every day, the, the, uh, the after effects, uh, as you say. And, and all the, uh, you know, everything we do at airports and, and machine. Right. So it, it really was consequential. And you wonder, and I guess we wouldn't be surprised if, if 20 years or 19 years from now that, that there are, remnants of, of our response to the pandemic. Um, I'm sure that that probably is going to happen as well. It's been 19 years. There will be a moment of silence. It's going to be observed uh, right at 8.46 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And if you recall, uh, that was when uh, American Airlines Flight um, 11 uh, struck the North Tower uh, of the World Trade Center. And it's something that uh, is indelibly etched uh, in all of our minds, and it's going to start uh, right now. So uh, let's honor that. Andrew Anthony Abate. 
Thank you for listening today, September 11th, 2020. From all of us at Squawk Box, we wish you strength and comfort. Squawk Pod, we'll meet you back here on Monday. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.